Hello, I'm Zeb Newirth, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, bold solutions, and a renewed sense of meaning and purpose in their journey to advance patient-centered, customer-oriented, value-based healthcare. Folks, the views that I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization that I may be affiliated with. So our focus today is on digital health, and we are incredibly fortunate to have a guest on the show, Michael McSherry, who is a veteran Seattle-based serial entrepreneur in the digital tech world. Uh, Mike serves currently as the CEO of Zelf, that's X-E-A-L-T-H, a digital prescribing and analytics platform that integrates into electronic medical records. Uh, Mike is going to tell us a bit more about Zelf, but it enables healthcare teams to order uh, digital content and services like apps as easily as they order medications today in their electronic medical records. And then patients can access those digital health prescriptions from the portal and they can actively manage their health. Uh, prior to uh, serving as CEO of Zelf, uh, Mike was the CEO of Swipe, an innovative touchscreen keyboard that has been installed on over 1 billion smartphones and tablets. Uh, that company was sold to Nuance in 2011. He also co-founded Zevo, the largest web development company, company in Australia and New Zealand. And he was co-founder and the head of product for Boost Mobile, both in the US and in Australia. And uh, from what I understand, Boost is currently doing about $5 billion in revenue annually. Uh, Mike has also held several product roles at Microsoft. Um, he's a uh, went and did his undergrad at William & Mary. Uh, he is married to a wife whom he describes as incredibly supportive. He's got two boys, 11 and 13 years old, a dog, and is uh, very, very uh, interested in travel. He's actually visited over 40 countries, which is quite remarkable. So, uh, Mike, I uh, just want to welcome you to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Easy. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure. Um, you know, uh, Mike, you and I had a chance to uh, touch base for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and it's such a small, small world. I was introduced to you uh, through um, Aaron uh, at Martin at uh, Providence St. Joe's, and uh, you and I talked for a few minutes and uh, quickly realized that... Um, we had one person in common, um, which is my sister, Esty Newworth, who actually uh, works at Kaiser Permanente. And um, I know that your team has met with her. Have you had a chance to meet with her yet or no? I've never met with her. I've spoken to her on the phone a few times. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Um, well, I'm, I'm not going to ask you who's the nicer one, me or my sister, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so it, it really is a pleasure talking to you, and it's an unbelievably small world. So, um, Mike, you know, could you before we we dive into Zelf, and and I really want to hear about this from you, and and I think it's uh, it, it, our listeners going to really appreciate what you're doing. Um, tell us a little bit about your past ventures. You you know, Swipe and 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 uh, Boost, and just to give, you know, a 30 second thumbnail sketch of, of uh, what you were doing. Were these disruptive innovations in the digital tech world? And if so, in what way? Uh, yeah, they, they have been. And I've just been at the forefront of technology. I got started at Microsoft working on MSN, the, their internet uh, stuff. 
in 93. So I got started on internet very early days. And then I got started working on mobile phones with, uh, with Boost Mobile in Australia in 1999. So I feel like I've been at the forefront of two massive, massive technology revolutions, the internet and then mobile. And Swipe was sort of reimagining touch screens when the advent of the smartphone and, and the iPhone and Android uh, realm. So I just feel like I've been incredibly lucky to be at the forefront of digital revolutions. And I think we're standing at that same point in time against uh, medical care and increasing proliferation of, of online and digital services uh, moving beyond the, quote, pill and uh, helping patients manage their, uh, their digital care and their, their health. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let me ask you a little bit about this uh, again before we, we dive into Zelf. I'm, you know, I'm curious. Whenever I talk and have the opportunity to speak to uh, folks like yourself, who who were uh, just superstars in the digital tech world, um, and and you clearly are. Um, what when you when you first? There's two two major questions I have. The first is when you first entered healthcare, and I, I'm not sure how many years ago that was, I get the sense it wasn't that long ago. Um, what were your first impressions of uh, of the healthcare world from a, a, a tech perspective or a digital perspective or a consumer experience perspective? What were your first like, you know, thoughts as you in the first few months or a year or two that you entered it? Well, I, I started by joining uh a local medical system here in Seattle uh, as a board member. And at, at a board level, you're largely seeing finances and positioning and strategy. And, and part of the strategy was that that system ended up merging with Providence, and that's how I came to Providence. But uh, my, my, my first impression was the distinct lack of competitive focus in the you know, especially where I've been for the last 15 years, the mobile world, Apple and Samsung are in a dogfight. Verizon and AT&T are in a dogfight for customers. And in the medical world, I just didn't see that same level of competitive response. And so as I'd sit through board meetings, they'd talk about, oh, here's how we're doing. And like, well, how is that relative to everybody else? And are you winning? Are you beating? Are you? And, and it's far, far more collaborative. So that was my first kind of take on, on healthcare was far more of a collaboration than a competition. And then as I was considering jumping into healthcare as my full-time job, uh, it's a little bit like any startup endeavor. There's a, there's a bit of a naivete and, uh, and hubris involved. And the hubris was, well, I've been successful in some other tech startups, so what, you know, why, why not in healthcare? And my naivete was, well, there are so many stories of broken systems, screwed up processes that there has to be a lot of low hanging fruit. Let's just go solve one of those easy problems. And, uh, and that's easier said than done, uh, through a multi-layered, uh, almost like peeling the onion type, uh, requirement of, of deploying and launching and, and scaling in healthcare, uh, services. So that's really interesting. The, the, um, sense you had of the, uh, greater collaboration. So that, that sounds like a positive to me. Is that, is it so, or is there a sort of a shadow side to that as well? No, there is a positive, but I always, I always feel that data metrics reference, uh, helps you to gauge your, your own, uh, effectiveness. And, you know, with the system that I, that I'm still on the board of, uh, it's Pacific medical centers out here in Seattle. 
uh, I'm always sort of, okay, that's great that you got these quality scores. How does that compare to the other systems? And, and I think, uh, that not, not necessarily in a competitive way, because in healthcare, you're trying to basically improve everyone's health, uh, and, and, you know, improve best practices. And if you do improve best practices, why not share that with others? So hopefully you're improving, you know, the, the population's health, but, um, but it is helpful to know where you're excelling versus other systems and where you're falling short. And, and that's, you know, quality of care. That's in your brand reputation. That's in, uh, metrics and reporting and scores and, and financial stability, et cetera. So I, I, I don't know that cutthroat competition at, you know, profit mar profit loss kind of, uh, focus is, is, necessarily well it's certainly it's not it's not beneficial in, in patient care but uh as to comparing yourselves to others and their quality of care and what you're doing right or or wrong relative to others is always helpful engaging um uh, just your own operations mm -hmm. now coming from the background that you've had and and you've been successful with numerous companies uh, doing some really innovative and I would say disruptive things in other markets and and uh, you know again just just really hitting home runs uh, what you have a set of approaches you have a set of kind of design principles and design uh, success factors and uh, and a way of, of approaching the kind of consumer customer mindset uh, what when you were entering in this field, uh, not on the board, but actually working to develop a, a product and solve a problem. Were there any things that you said, wow, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing something to new to this field or, you know, to healthcare. I've got this set of skills or these approaches or these ways of thinking, um, that they just aren't aware of. And so was there anything like that that came to mind? Well, there are a couple of things. Um, I don't pin you know, my success on, on my own shoulders. I, I have chosen my partners wisely. My other co-founders, uh, my earlier career, uh, following a CEO that was brilliant. Uh, and then as I stepped in the CEO shoes, ensuring that I had, uh, people working with me that I trusted implicitly. And, and that's the most important thing, uh, where I have a group collective thought on, how we should pursue a market, pursue a product idea. And, and I think that's my, my greatest strength is, is finding people that I know trust and w collaborate well with together. So that, that's what I'd pin ulti ultimately my success on. And, uh, in healthcare, it wasn't that I had the idea or knew the idea, but for the last 15 years, I've been in, in the mobile world and a pretty strong understanding of technology and I just sh saw the what I would call immaturity of uh, technology in, in healthcare at patient engagement levels and the physician interface levels and uh, analytics and reporting and optimization and accessibility and I just figured my my team and I's tech skills brought to some of these problems could prove beneficial and fruitful. And uh, I think that's where we're trying to prove out what's out, but we can get into that later. Yeah, no, let's 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 do that now. I mean, it's um, I think I think it illustrates some of uh, the points you were just making. Um, so so why don't you start by just 
you know, giving, uh, giving us a, an overview of, uh, of what self is, what, what, um, and I'm not sure how you, you know, even began approaching the creation of Zelf, but what problem were you trying to solve or what solution were you trying to create for patients, for providers of care? What were the, you know, what, what, where did you start and how did it come about? Okay. Well, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack and, and just a little bit of my career. So at Microsoft, I, I moved to Australia in, in 1997. And I actually left Microsoft uh, in Australia after only six months and then co-founded a, a web development company. And that ended up being a joint venture with Australia's largest advertising agency at the time. Um, you know, ad agencies were helping uh, these companies put their websites up and, and we had a stronger technology solution. So my very first startup involved a joint venture with uh, the biggest ad agency in Australia. And then with Boost Mobile and Amped Mobile, there were both joint ventures uh, with Nextel, with Verizon, with Motorola. And uh, then Swipe, uh, our first investors were Nokia and Samsung, at the time the number one and two cell phone manufacturers in the world. And so I've always, always partnered early with a much bigger uh, incumbent dominant technology uh, player uh, in the spaces that I've been operating in, and I learned from them. And so when I joined Providence, Providence hired my executive team from Swipe and I in, four of us, as entrepreneurs and residents. And we figured if we were going to try and tackle healthcare, it's better to do it from the inside where we had access to clinicians, we had access to administrators and insurance payer uh, business minds and finance and uh, we would better be able to understand the problems and help define solutions working closely with people inside the system versus uh, attacking it from outside in, in maybe a, a more competitive, uh, dynamic approach. Uh, because we, we didn't know healthcare and it's, it's in some ways an insular business that has its own set of rules and operations and, and uh, complexities with the different uh, payer configurations and workflow requirements and and things along those lines. So as Prov hired us in as EIRs, it was a blank slate to think about problems in healthcare. And one of the very first problems that we saw was we thought that MyChart was uh, not optimized for a mobile experience. You were finding uh, mobile applications that were far more uh friendly from a user experience, uh, far more valuable with information and accessibility. And so that was one of the ideas that we wanted to tackle. Uh, but then we sort of tabled that one for a while. Uh, we poked at a lot of preventative services, uh, but then realized that uh, the U.S. Uh, reimbursement landscape kind of kind of makes it difficult to, uh, uh, to have prevention services paid for. Uh, it, it's a challenging dynamic, and, and I think ultimately one of the root causes of uh, um, some of the failures of the U.S. healthcare system. But what we saw with Zelf and how we optimized against that was we could improve the mobile patient portal experience. We saw all the pilots that were trying to get launched, but uh, they were not seamlessly integrated to the physician workflow or the patient experience. And so we thought we could combine those two efforts to sort of centralize the 
adoption of these new digital services within the patient portal experience. And then as we further looked at that challenge and problem, we saw as the, uh, these digital services were not easily integrated into the, uh, the workflow, the EHR environment that clinicians spend the bulk of their time operating in. And so then we tackled recreating a, uh, a physician user experience that seamlessly embeds into the EMR so that they can prescribe relevant digital services in the same way as they prescribe medications. So once we had crafted the, the business challenge, the use case, the value to a system and, and built, uh, some of the basic underlying technology and started showing it around to people, they were like, Oh my God, that's great. We, we need that. But it wasn't a predefined problem. It was something that we just came up with in, in poking and prodding at the multiple different challenges we saw while embedding ourselves within the provider system. So what, so that sounds, uh, that sounds right. So it, it wasn't that there was a problem, but you created a solution that didn't exist before. And so for, for the providers, what, how would you, uh, you know, how would you describe the solution? What is it that you allow providers to do that they could not do before for their patients? So there, there's a world of new digital services, uh, and that's uh, patient education. So a lot of times it used to be photocopied or printed out, and increasingly patients are uh, wanting to consume some of those materials digitally. You're seeing a new advent of a video that helps to explain process or procedures or complex medical uh, information in an easily digestible format to patients. There are a number of apps and programs, weight loss programs, diabetes management, behavioral health, online coaching, online telehealth uh, opportunities. You're seeing devices, um, CPAPs, uh, pacemakers, stents, uh, glucometers that are all becoming digitally connected and not integrated into the physician uh, workflow to seamlessly review and monitor uh, the, the remote device in, interactions. And then you're seeing these, uh, I might even call them social determinants of health. You're seeing meal delivery services uh, being prescribed to patients. You're seeing Uber and Lyft transportation rides uh, for clinical visits if transportation is the challenge uh, for that patient. So, any digital service that helps facilitate care, and especially if the provider holds capitation risk against these patients, they'll start to care more about the social determinant of health type opportunities and digital tools to help assist and facilitate patient care. Uh, we let the doctors uh, prescribe them when relevant to that patient and their clinical need or social determinant need. And then we allow the clinicians to monitor and review the patient's compliance, engagement, uh, utilization of these services, measuring outcome and effectiveness, uh, which then optimizes the recommendation engine on the front end for patient segmentations and, and demographic information and behavioral analysis, et cetera. So, so if I'm uh, practicing as a physician, this platform, the Zelf platform, has uh, and it's more than just apps. There's all these services that 
um, have a digital component to them that can be put on here, whether it's education or transportation or, like you're saying, food services or connectivity to devices. And so I, I can click on these things and prescribe them for patients in, a, in and it's integrated into the electronic medical record. Is that do I have that picture right? Yep, correct. Most of the services we've been describing, we we are involved in the prescribing and then monitoring, but a number of the devices uh, follow a slightly different workflow. So, for example, the CPAP device, um, the the physician might prescribe a uh, a sleep study, and and then if the patient uh, you know is determined to have sleep apnea, uh, then they would go get a, a CPAP machine or um, you know, in, involved in glucometers or pacemakers and, and things like that. The physician is not necessarily prescribing it. They, they have disease state and this is helping to, uh, it's embedded at a surgical level or it's embedded at a, uh, uh, you know, through a disease management program. So it doesn't always have to be prescribed, but we can monitor a number of different, uh, mm -hmm. services, um, in, in addition to, uh, prescribing and monitoring for uh, a broader set of services. And so that's the other, so that's a, a, a second a, a major advantage of this uh, platform is that you can monitor uh, the engagement that the uh, patient has with whatever it is that you're prescribing or ordering, um, uh, whatever service or app it is. What I found, though, interesting when we talked briefly the other day, and I, I've looked at some of the literature online, is that... Um, there's also a huge analytics component to it because you're collecting all this information uh, about the patient, uh, the demographics, as well as the utilization. And so uh, this, this analytics gives you the ability to do things that, uh, you know, I can't imagine you could do any other way, um, which is to start to predict um, which apps or which services actually are beneficial to which patients. Can you say a little bit more about that? If I, is, is that, am I, do I get that? I mean, is that what you're able to do? Yeah, no, 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 exactly. So, um, you know, meaningful use last five years, the, the adoption of EMRs has, has proliferated amongst provider systems and they're able to do a number of data analytics purely on clinical data, you know, disease, uh, uh diagnoses, medications, uh, blood tests, et cetera. But increasingly, there's a world of digital devices and services that are collecting a set of data for a patient, and that is largely not being correlated against the clinical data that an EMR has. So we're sitting at the nexus of the EMR data and all the capture of these third-party digital services and devices. We're also a cloud plug-in to the EMR, and as a cloud plugin, I'm able to marry up uh, payer and employer eligibility status for these digital services. So a lot of these weight loss programs, smoking cessation services, um, behavioral health services are paid for and underwritten by the payer or employer. And so I'm starting to correlate um, eligibility data, clinical data, third-party data, and I don't know that anyone's ever sat at that level of nexus of data collection before. And we're early days in measuring outcome, effectiveness, uh, predictive capabilities, but 
we also are tracking all the open rates on email and SMS and web and mobile. And against all these different data sets, we're going to have a what we believe to be a pretty powerful set of, of tools to help analyze and predict how a patient is going to best respond uh, to a treatment program or educational information or come in prepared for surgery or uh, post-surgical recovery to reduce readmits. And I think as you start to take a look, at, especially at these chronic care uh, services helping to manage uh, patients, behavioral health, weight, hypertension, diabetes, you're going to start to see a lot more segmentation of what works better for Hispanics, what works better for women, what works for seniors. And we're, we believe, are going to sit at the best analytic capability of helping to determine those segmentations and then allow physicians to recommend with confidence the service that they think is going to best uh, benefit that patient. So, so it's on a, on a really just simple sort of example, uh, Let's take, you have, let's say, these apps and services, the physician orders, and as the data is collected and analyzed, and I'm, I'm assuming the, these analytic algorithms are running in the background and you've got, you know, sort of machine learning going on and predictive analytic uh, technology going on. So I could, I could, I'll, I'll have a better understanding of if there's a 50 year old white male sitting in front of me. Uh, which one of these services or apps actually works better so that I can customize the um, prescription for them? Correct. Correct. And and I don't want to get too far over my skis saying, oh, we're going to be able to predict the likely outcome of a, uh, of a patient's health because there's, you know, multitude of complex um, interplays uh, affecting that patient's health. But we're working with several large systems nationwide, and I think once we start seeing thousands, tens of thousands, millions of different data sets against these services, uh, you're going to be able to extrapolate that into uh, predictive uh, analytics that, that it, you know, they, they can't guarantee uh, the, the, the outcome, but they're going to uh, give a pretty good insight as to what's worked for comparable patient sets and we believe this is going to be the best recommended path for this patient in front of that, that clinician. Mm-hmm. What, what outcomes are you uh, expecting to deliver here? So you have this app, it's, it's, um, and the physician is able to prescribe it through their electronic medical record system. The patient is, be able, is able to you know, pick it up on, the, on whatever devices they use. What um, have you? Are you doing any studies in the, with the organizations that you're working with? That uh, I mean, are you focused on uh, clinical? You talked about chronic disease management, focused on clinical outcomes or engagement outcomes or uh, adherence outcomes. What, what kinds of outcomes are, are you shooting for? Sure. So, Zelt, we we believe for a system has uh, a multifaceted benefit. Uh, so for the IS, there's significant cost savings. And uh, as a cloud plugin, you're doing things at a scalable level that is saving substantial epic analyst time, building order sets and flow sheets and HL7 interfaces, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, first off, we believe there, there starts with a IS simplification and, and cost reduction 
uh, capacity for a system. At the, depending on the service, they all have different goals. So uh, the first project we launched with was advanced care planning uh, videos. And the clinics that uh, this was available in, they were trying to uh, force the patients to watch these videos while in a clinic visit, and uh, they were only doing a couple of video sessions per week with patients. And they didn't have the tools to, quote, prescribe uh, educational services around advanced care planning to these patients. So we embedded it in, into our platform, and they've now prescribed out thousands of these, uh, so 100x what they were able to achieve prior uh, with, with high degrees of uh, patient uh, satisfaction and clinician satisfaction with the ease. We're taking that next step into, okay, let's look at all the patients who have watched it and uh, let's invite them to a group session for with uh, notaries and, um, and, and a, uh, a physician to help educate. Uh, so let's have a group session, which is CMS reimbursable, but more importantly, we have a, a focused, the system has a focused goal on getting these patients to sign advanced directives, uh, to, uh, approach end of life planning with, with greater grace and, uh, um, just cost savings and, and beneficial care towards end of life decisions. Um, so that's, you know, trying to turn from, Hey, let's educate patients to close the loop and have them execute against advanced care plans. Uh, other services were prescribing out maternity care information. Uh, over 10,000 uh, women through maternity care, now expanding pediatrics, are using a, an application where we're prescribing it out to them based upon due date, custom content uh, triggered against uh, additional uh, disease diagnoses that, that might occur through pregnancy, um, and it's significantly reducing uh, the calls to nurse hotlines and improving uh, patient uh, brand happiness and conversions to uh, retaining their pediatric care through the system. Uh, with UPMC, we launched against ortho, uh, pre-op, uh, and, and then post-op. So uh, when a patient is considering an ortho procedure, we send out a shared decision-making tool to that patient so they're more informed they're going through a consent, they understand the risks and benefits uh, of this procedure, and they elect to have the surgery. Uh, when they do choose the surgery, uh, we're sending out educational videos and then logistic check-in, parking reminders, what to bring to the hospital, and then we're sending out rehab plans afterwards. Uh, we are starting to correlate that against uh, patient outcomes, readmit rates, etc., cetera, uh, from the... Uh, from people who go through a, a ZELT-enabled program, more digitally focused, versus the prior workflows that they were enacting. How many programs or services or apps uh, do you actually have on the ZELT platform? We have launched about 10. Mm -hmm. So health-wise educational tools and shared decision-making, ME educational videos, UPMC custom-created content, tonic survey forms, um, uh, patient report outcome survey forms. Uh, we've launched OMADA, which is a pre-diabetes management program. We've launched Weight Watchers, uh, which is 
uh, weight loss, hypertension, uh, pre-diabetes management program. Um, we launched Lantern, which is a behavioral health application. Uh, oh, Philips and ResMed CPAP devices. We're tracking over 30,000 prob patients uh, with these devices. And they all have cellular modems in. They spit data up to the cloud. And if a physician ever wanted to look at that data, which they do, they used to have to go to the Philips website or ResMed's website, authenticate as a physician, then do a patient lookup, all just to see if that patient's utilizing it. And often get involved in a complex insurance reimbursement and having to reauthorize sleep studies to get the insurance to cover it again. And, and we've just brought that back more seamlessly into the physician workflow. Um, so it's tremendously helpful to the, the clinicians uh, and ultimately to patient care because now we're uh, matching the, the CPAP data uh, against other comorbidities uh, within the system for, for population health review. And, and I think you, you may have answered the question uh, I'd wanted to ask you, which is, how is this different than lots of uh, provider groups and integrated delivery networks um, have uh, app stores uh, so that a provider could go in and uh, choose an app and uh, and select it for the patient, and then the patient can use it. And so, sort of, I guess it's more of a curated site or curated store. These are the approved apps that we used or approved uh, online services. And and how how is this different uh, than that? And you, I think you you started to just with your last example of that. Uh, you gave a, an example of of how it might be different. But do you want to say a bit more about that? Yeah. I, I, what, I think one thing that uh, gets simplified with, with the Zelth proposition is people are like, oh, you prescribe apps. And uh, of our first 20 projects that we're implementing for our provider customers, I would say that only about two or three are, are straight apps from the app store. The rest in, involve programs or pathways or apps plus devices or articles and video or offline programs. Uh, and, and so I, I think to just limit and think of Zelth as prescribing apps is, is limiting uh, from the broad set of digital services that we can help a, a clinician recommend to a patient. Um, but it, even if you take that more broadly of, you know, well, some systems already have digital services or programs embedded in their EMR, what's different about Zelf? I, I think we're the first kind of cloud-based insertion into the EMR. The rest uh, had to get written into the EMR as epic client code. And uh, if you go back to, you know, thinking about ERP systems or, um, I don't know, writing sort of Windows software, writing client code is... is uh, an outdated technology stack for the most part. Increasingly, you're seeing cloud-based, web-based services that offer far more flexibility and scalability. We've integrated some of these vendors at Providence in literally one one-hundredth of the time, 1% of the time, of what IS was traditionally quoting at having to integrate that vendor into their Epic-based systems. So significant cost savings, significant scalability, and the the CMI of Providence uh, made this sort of reference whereby 
in the world of medications, it's a hundred percent a clinician decision. You know, I, of course, there's some payer involvement there, but but whether to uh, add a drug to the formulary entirely sits in the uh, medical uh, decision-making process. Somehow, in the world of uh, digital care, it has become an IS decision process uh, due to the challenge and time and cost of integrating these services into the EMR. And so somehow IS has become the determinant for the prioritization of digital services. And they liken Zelf to uh, a digital formulary whereby if medical leadership wants to add a, a vendor into the mix, it literally only takes days, maybe weeks uh, to integrate project management, the integration of that vendor into the uh, the Zelf system uh, to whereby it's accessible for a physician. So they like having that control given back to the physicians to experiment, try, and adopt new digital services to see how it helps in managing their patient care. And, and I think something else that you mentioned, which is for me always a, a sort of a, a, a checkpoint, which is, uh, is this, you know, technology often uh, is beneficial without question, but it often adds more more, more burden to the uh, provider or to the patient. And uh, this uh, platform, the Zelf, sounds like it actually uh, integrates uh, pretty seamlessly into the physician, the provider, patient workflow. Is that, is that, what's, what's your experience been with that? Yeah, no, the physicians have loved it. Very, very easy to adopt. Um, very little training, more, more awareness that it exists than, than training on how to utilize. Um, and I'd say that we've brought a lot of modern, uh, usability heuristics. Uh, again, uh, I worked, you know, th this team, uh, deployed a, uh, a keyboard that was deployed on over a billion phones and the keyboard is the most widely used application on any phone. So we're familiar with usability and, and the very minute, uh, UI tweaks that lead to confusions, problems. Um, and I think that we created Zelf and the physician workflow with, uh, all of our modern UI sensibilities. And we've, uh, we've seen that from the clinician adoption. One of the other things that we've encountered is uh, oftentimes the clinicians have uh, a, a project that they think is relevant for patient care and in, in their specific clinical area, you know, be it oncology or cardio or spinal or endocrinology. And so they have a vendor they want integrated, but they're fighting with IS to get it integrated and competing priorities. And, well, we're only going to do one digital service in 2018, so... You know, I'll let the medical leadership fight over, you know, which, which service gets, gets that, that IS slot. And with Zelf being able to so readily and easily, uh, onboard these vendors, the medical, uh, leadership in these clinical areas is like, oh my God, we've been waiting on this vendor for, you know, 18 months. Now it's launched. So the adoption curve already has the awareness of that vendor and its capabilities and desire. So. Uh, we're finding that helps lead to the usage that, that we're getting from our, our vendors that we've launched. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know if, uh, if these anecdotes or stories that I'm, I'm saying resonate with your experience with, with the various systems you've worked with. Uh, I, you know, um, first of all, let me just say, I, you know, I, I work very closely with IS and I have IS 
standing for informatic services. You, you know, it's really interesting, by the way, just let me step back before I answer your question. Um, it, it is interesting. You, you threw the acronym a few uh, seconds ago, I, IU and, um, uh, or, or UI, sorry. And um, so some folks uh, who are listening may be familiar with that and some may not, but it, it stands for user interface and um, or, or UE, which is user experience. And for you, that is such a, like you said, you, you pointed out your, your past experience with Swipe, where here's a, you know, a, a, a facility that you, you added to these electronic keyboards so uh, people could just put their fingers on it and, and literally swipe their fingers and, and touch uh, letters and numbers and as opposed to having a, a physical keyboard. And, um, and so you've been spending years focused on how do you make the user experience or the so-called user interface seamless and easy and convenient and intuitive. And, um, and so for you, again, I was going back to the first question I asked you, this is something that's just part of your DNA. Um, and, um, but I, I'm not sure that it's been part of our DNA in healthcare to really focus on the user experience, whether that's uh, the, the, the patient or the provider. And so, um, so clearly, you, you know, in the last five or so minutes, what you've been talking about is, is I think your profound, intense, uh, longstanding, uh, almost completely ingrained focus on making things uh, incredibly accessible, convenient, easy to use, easy to test. Um, and, and, um, and that, I, I think you bring that quite honestly, uh, into, you know, with your background and, and other folks who are like you bring that into the healthcare world T to answer your question. It, let me, before I do that, it, does that, how does that strike you? Cause you know, I, I think sometimes with, with experts like yourselves, you do something so naturally. Um, it's kind of like the way we walk or drink water that you don't, you don't, you may not understand that that's not normal yeah. <laughs> for, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we, we often go to 10 years ago, doctors are handwriting a piece of paper uh, for a prescription referral and patients would walk that up to a pharmacy and judging, you know, whether they judge the authenticity of that signature, they'd give the pills to the patient. And, and that was only 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, whereas in the rest of the electronic world, everything's been digital, you know, we're all Amazon focused and, you know, Google search and, you know, there's information and products at your fingertips. Uh, and, and we sort of think we're bringing that same level of experience to digital services instead of printing out pieces of paper, or handing photocopied brochures to patients. We're, we're just facilitating a closed loop digital environment uh, against those services. So, yeah, we, we bring a, a UX experience and reimagining kind of uh, what, what the patient wants, what the physician wants. And, and hopefully we're, uh, we're hitting those targets correctly and we involve a lot of uh, usability feedback in our, in our uh, workflow discussions with the physicians and the patients. And the other part of that, too, I think, for physicians and physician leadership is that over the last 10 or you know 20 years, when folks come to us with new technologies again they're they're they often bring value uh, the electronic medical record system is the is the classic example of this but on the other hand they also bring a tremendous amount of inconvenience and added time and added work and um and physicians have have uh 
you know, carry that burden because it's the right thing to do and it's moving things forward. Yet it's the, like you said, the UX user experience has not been delightful. In fact, it's been quite the opposite. So, so I think, I think physicians, you know, you were asking me that question before. I think physicians and physician leadership has been, uh, they're a little jaded and a little burned by their experience uh, with technology. What, what you're bringing here, for, and I haven't used Zelf, but from what I've read and speaking to you and some others about it, you're, you're bringing a new, you know, a next gen, um, digital, you know, electronic, uh, technology or experience that is not only bringing value to healthcare and improving health outcomes, but is actually bringing value in terms of the user experience. And you're making it easier, uh, faster, more scalable, lower cost, more convenient. Um, you know, this example of, you know, you don't have to come in to see a video. This is now available to you on any device you have. Uh, you know, uh, these, these, this idea of a physician having to, every time they want to order an app, they have to go in and order it and, you know, go into that uh, specific vendor, you know, uh, program that's all taken away. You now have one platform that you order and look and monitor and now get the analytics background on. So I think there's, this is a, this is a completely different experience than the one uh, we are used to or accustomed to. And I think it's a, it's a whole new class of, of, of digital tech experience. And I think it's important for physicians and physician leaders to understand this, that, that technology doesn't mean extra work. Um, in fact, uh, as, as you're pointing out, as you bring the Amazon like, Google like, uh, type of experience, uh, you know, Facebook like, uh, it, it actually should make life easier, better, more enjoyable. Um, and all that sort of stuff. So I, I think it's important. I mean, that's my that's my take on it. Does that is is that congruent with what you're thinking, or do you have some a different way to look at it? Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. And and ultimately, you know, if you look at the broader macro shifts in healthcare, the consumerization consumerization of healthcare, um, consumers are wanting, demanding different experiences, new new models of interaction. Um, you know, consumers can book a restaurant on open table, but in, in many cases, they still can't book a, a physician appointment online. So, uh, these, these consumer expectations are going to force and demand different modes of interaction, uh, by the provider systems. And, and we think we're, we're helping to facilitate, uh, what patients want from their, uh, from their physicians and also what physicians want. They've just been frustrated articulating, uh, the, the need challenge and desire. So hopefully we're, we're at the right spot, right time with a, a valuable product proposition for, for both the provider side and the patient side. Mm -hmm. And, and how do you expanding this a bit? How, how do you see the role of digital health in the future of, of medical care in general? It, it's, it seems like Zelf is and and, is really sort of this, you know, glimpse into what the future of healthcare might look like, or more of it might look like. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to be Pollyanna and and suggest that digital care is going to supplant, you know, patient care and uh, you know, clinic visits and in inpatient medical care. Uh, but all industries have seen seen technology automation. Um, when, when you see that, 
what it's something like five to ten percent of all Google searches are healthcare related. Mm-hmm. Patients are looking for digital information related to care. That's not always they need to go sit in front of a doctor or a nurse inside of a clinic visit. And so we think that we're helping in this automation shift of outreach, notification, information, scheduling, uh, device interaction. Uh, and, and that's inevitable because of the cost cutting uh, that is nece- necessary in, in the U.S. healthcare system. And uh, we also think that our analytics are going to show what's working and what's not. You, you can't just ad nauseum, just add more apps, more programs, more devices, and, and just assume that, you know, they're going to get paid for and, and they're beneficial to patient care. I think we're going to help analyze which ones are working and, um, and, and, you know, that, that do, analytics and degree of focus is going to help, uh, concentrate on the priorities and the payment modes against these services. And I had mentioned earlier beyond the pill, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, uh, I think in a sense right now, the, the way that primary care has been driven in the U S is, you know, you're down to your 10, 12, 15 minute patient visits and uh, a little bit like, well, uh, you know, buddy, you, you really need to lose some weight. Good luck to you. Um, you know, find a gym. Maybe your employer covers a weight loss program for you. Uh, I don't know. Come back and see me in a year. By the way, maybe this pill might help with something. And and I'm being highly cynical in, in that sort of approach. But um, the the sort of way the medical system is sort of forced uh, patient care, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that increasingly you're going to have digital tools that help manage, be an extension of that care beyond the walls of an episode visit. It's what patients want. Uh, for convenience, for information, for their, their mobile connected active lives. It's, it's easier to, you know, do these quick little interactions or reminders or notifications, uh, online than to have to pick up a phone and schedule a visit or, um, you know, call for information, you know, when it all could be accessible to, to patients, uh, digitally if, if relevant and proving its, uh, its value, uh, ultimately towards, uh, outcome and care. So, you know, to wrap all that up, I think you're going to start to increasingly see more and more digital interactions, not all, quote, apps, but programs, connected scales, glucometers, devices, coaches, uh, programs, accessibility, nudge reminders that are going to help in managing remote patient care and treating disease state conditions. Um, and the the model of just continuing to hire nursing ma physician staff is is not scalable enough to meet the demands of the uh, aging boomers and and problems in disease state uh nor is that how patients want to interact so you're going to need a, a higher degree of digital uh interaction and engagement with these patients I, you know i think from my perspective i think physicians and other providers would would welcome this. Uh, I, I think everything you've said about it, it just puts a whole bunch of digital tools and connectivity and the sort of in-between visit care and being able to help with uh, whatever services uh, you know are, whether they're social determinants of health, whether transportation, whether education, informing programs to do various things like lose weight or exercise um, 
or even, you know, appropriately take medications or appropriately manage a, a chronic disease. I, I think this just serves as a, 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 a great uh, standardized evidence-based uh, way to uh, leverage uh, providers and extend them. Um, so I, I, and for sure on the patient side, it seems like it's, it's, uh, it would be something that would be incredibly welcome as well. Um, so, you know, I think the, the, the question I want to ask you next is, well, first of all, I have a bunch of questions. One is you, you mentioned Epic a number of times. And so, uh, that's a, a, a large, uh, electronic medical record vendor. Uh, the other, uh, big one is Cerner. Are you working with them or, and, and it sounds like the integration is, is, is pretty quick. Can you say a word about that? Yeah. So our first four customers, uh, all of whom are investors in the company are all Epic based. So we, mm-hmm. Providence is an Epic, uh, system. And so we, we initially built it, launched it, scaled it and demonstrated it, uh, working within Epic and, uh, we've not really needed to work with Epic. We've had a number of conversations with them, uh, more about go forward partnerships, but, uh, to, to launch and scale and deploy Zelt with an Epic system, we don't need direct Epic help or assistance or involvement. Uh, we just work with the, uh, IS, uh, IT teams of the provider system. We are porting it to Cerner. Uh, UPMC is one of our customers and they have the Epic for their outpatient ambulatory care and they use Cerner for inpatient care. So, uh, we are porting it to the Cerner platform and there are a number of other, uh, systems that we've had discussions with, uh, the Carolinas included. Uh, and so we would love to expand to other, uh, other EMR based platforms, uh, to have a, a broader, um, uh, just deployment, uh, use case, uh, scalability offering for, for having Zelth, uh, sit with more provider groups and, and be in front of more clinicians. Mm-hmm. What, if you could, uh, well, the question I want to ask you is what, what's been uh, a challenge or a frustration with you in terms of deploying this? And I know you're, you're still pretty early on and, and so it has, it's not like you've been trying to do this for years, but are there any sort of frustrations you have? If you could just sort of snap your fingers, you'd like to sort of see this happen or that happen. Uh, you know, pilots, I, I think continue to be a, a, a bit of a, a bane of a, of a startup or slash vendors existence, you know, world like, well, okay, let's launch it in a pilot scenario and let's see how it works. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay, well, how long does that pilot last before we scale to more clinics or system wide? And, um, and, and, you know, yes, I understand that, you know, patients' health, their lives are at risk. Uh, they want to test the evidence-based approach and the efficacy and, and et cetera. But I think they take that a little bit too far. Um, I, I think, I think the, the timelines for, uh, piloting or piloting on a broader basis or, uh, demonstrating its effectiveness and scaling to a broader, uh, base, uh, go a little slower than I would like to see, uh, occur. And if I go back a little bit to the keyboard experience, uh, you know, it's completely different from, from patient care, but I'd almost argue as well that the first couple of projects that we've launched in this digital health realm are not life and death, uh, but, but they're information and exposure and, and efforts. But on the keyboard, um, 
we we implemented a new mode of typing where whereby you swiped your fingers over a keyboard instead of the traditional tapping uh, that they had been used to. But uh, you know, Samsung put us on their flagship devices, the default keyboard shipped to hundreds of millions of customers. Um, absent, well, let's launch it in this one little market amongst these 30 people and we'll see if everyone likes it. And if that mm-hmm. happens, then we'll scale it to 300 people and then we'll scale it. Now they instantly put it out to 300 million people. And in, in the traditional tech world, if something works uh, or, or has an inkling that it'll work, uh, it gets scaled immediately. Uh, but in the healthcare world, the, the scaling process has become, uh, challenging and, and problematic. And, and I think, uh, stymied a little bit in, in some, what I might label old school mindsets. Uh, but I, I do understand the, the, uh, severity of, of issues and challenges and patients' lives and, and health. But I think it, some of these technology solutions that are, uh, demonstrating early effectiveness, uh, there should be a faster path to scalability and deployment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder if it's in the, in the digital tech world, the whole idea of putting out a minimal viable product, uh, you know, an MVP where it, it may not be perfect, but it's, it's pretty good. It's good enough. And then evolve it rapidly as you get, you know, just tremendous feedback from the users and the customers. We're not used to that sort of uh, that minimal viable approach in, in healthcare. And uh, again, in some in, in many instances, you would not want to do that because it directly impacts patient care and safety and quality. But there are lots of use cases where that's not the case. As you're pointing out here, this is really about getting information out there. And, um, and uh, you know, if you can, if you compare even a, a uh, you know, an MVP uh, product to what we currently have, uh, it's almost certain to be better than what we currently have in terms of that. So, um, there's not, there's, there's really little, you know, risk that, uh, you're exposing anyone to, uh, so I, you know, I've kept you, uh, long here and I, and I, um, I know you've got another appointment, just a couple of questions in closing. Um, the first is, um, uh, what was the, what was the best piece of advice you were ever given and, and that you might impart some of that wisdom to our listeners today? Uh, you know, as life advice, my, my father was, uh, spent 20 years in in the military and, uh, uh, my, my brother's in the military now, fourth, fourth generation in my family. I, I didn't choose that path, but my dad always said, you know, referred to friends as foxhole friends. He had been in the Vietnam war. He'd seen a lot. And, uh, uh, I, I can't translate that directly to life and death experiences of, of my colleagues or acquaintances, but, but it does point to knowing, trusting the loyalty, uh, and, uh, of your friends and, and acquaintances and colleagues. And so I, I referenced earlier, the thing I'm most proud of, or, you know, that has led to my greatest success in business is just partnering and associating with, with people that I know and trust deeply. Um, and, Against that, I, I still go back to uh, the loyalty of the team is my, my greatest uh, sense of accomplishment I think I've had in my career. And uh, my COO, uh, he and I share an office together at Microsoft starting in 94. We've been uh, working together for over 20 years at, I don't know, four different companies together. And so 
you know, the fact that we can remain friends, colleagues, trusted, confidants, uh, that, that all goes back to the sense of loyalty that I think my father uh, instilled in me from, from his life experiences. That's, that's, really, that's really helpful. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and finally, are, is there any sort of final message? Is there any sort of key take-home point, uh, something you'd like our listeners to remember uh, from this uh, from this conversation we've had today? Uh, yeah, I've been successful in technology and mobile, and you know, I've started and sold some companies, and you know, luck, perseverance, clever technology, all all play a role in in the success of startups. I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not going to diminish the hard work that went into it, but luck certainly plays a role. But granted that I've been lucky and uh, had some success, I had a little more flexibility into what I chose to, to pursue and do in, in my life at this point. And, you know, healthcare is one of the endemic challenges of, of our country, and uh, uh, it's a noble goal to pursue, and that's why I, I jumped into this opportunity and, and uh, brought my team from my past company along, and 12 of our 20 employees now are ex-Swipe, and um, I'm, I'm convincing a, a broader set of people with past technology experience and skills and aptitude to uh, tackle the world of digital health and uh, health IT and, and bring m new modern practices to improving patient care. And I, I hope that we're successful in modernizing the, the world of healthcare technology. And uh, that's ultimately what I'd like to prove out more so than, um, you know, other past technology experiences and success I've had. That's, that's well said. And I'm, I'm uh, delighted and encouraged by the fact that you, you've uh, jumped into healthcare and you're bringing more of your uh, colleagues from the digital tech world into healthcare. Uh, and uh, I, I, I truly believe it's, it's going to, uh, uh, accelerate uh, the transformation of healthcare, and I think it's going to greatly improve uh, uh, patient outcomes, patient experience, uh, customer experience, and I, I also believe it's going to make the job of the physician and other providers uh, a lot more meaningful and uh, and really leverage their expertise and their wisdom. So, uh, so Mike, I, I, one is I, I hope we have an opportunity to talk again uh, in in a few months. I really want to see. Uh, you know, how far you've, you've come and, and hear how things are going. I'm, I'm really, really excited by what you're doing and, um, and look forward to hearing more. So, so thank you. Um, and, and I do want to, as always, thank our listeners. Uh, the folks who are listening to this podcast are, are largely the people who are doing the hard work, hard work each and every day of uh, taking care of our patients and also uh, directly supporting those people who are taking care of patients. So, so again, thank you to listeners and, uh, and folks who are listening. Um, if you have any uh, feedback, uh, any suggestions for future topics or future speakers, uh, my email address is zeb at creatinganewhealthcare.com. Uh, first name is spelled Z, two E's and a V as in Victor, zeb at creatinganewhealthcare.com. I welcome your comments, your suggestions, your feedback. And, uh, and of course, thank you again for listening to Creating a New Healthcare. Um, wishing you all uh, good health and good living until next time. Thank you. And thanks, Mike. No, thank you very much, Zeb.